And uh, my brother served at Mid-American Nazarene University for three years on a PR group, and so I didn't get to see him in the summers, and so I blame PR groups for that. Um, but at the same time, I know some of the struggle that they go through. And so uh, this is not a requirement of us to do this, and this is just uh, because your pastor loves PR groups and loves being able to bless these students. We want to take a special love offering, not for all of that Nazarene University. We want to take a special love offering for this specific group. And so they will not say anything about this. They won't give us any guidance because they don't know this is happening, okay? And so we are going to take an offering for them. If you're writing out a check, just write it out to the church. We will write them one check, and we want to bless these students and uh, thank them for coming and serving and sharing with us in ministry. Amen? Have you enjoyed it so far? Would you just give them a hand? As the ushers come, I'm going to pray for this offering, and then they're going to sing for us another time, and then we're going to dive into God's word. God, we love you, and we praise you so much for what you've done. Already today, Lord, we pray a special blessing once again on the narrow, all of the members of this group, and God, I pray that you would bless this offering. Use it, Lord, to bless these students and bless this ministry. And Lord, you will be glorified and honored for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. together. There's no one higher than you. Redeemer, defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you. You are always with us, gracious to forgive us. By your power we've been set free. Lord, we stand amazed in your presence. Astounded by your mercy and love. Our hands are lifted high in surrender. Your grace for me is always enough. There is no one higher than our God. There is no one greater than you. Let my life forever praise the glory of your There is no one higher than you. Majestic in wonder. Love forever, there's no one higher than you. Your beauty, your splendor, your glory knows no measure. There's no one higher than you. You are always with us, great. 
gracious to forgive us. By your power we've been set free. Lord, we stand amazed in your presence. Astounded by your mercy and love. Our hands are lifted high in surrender. Grace for me is always enough. There is no one higher than our God. There is no one greater than you. Let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. No one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. Let me stand in your presence. Sounded by your mercy and love. Hands are lifted high in surrender. Grace for me is always enough. There is no one higher than all. There is no one greater than you. My life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. There is no one higher than you. Cassidy, but she's got to get out of my way because I'll just, uh, <laughs> I will wreck their stage if they're not careful as much as I move around. But uh, man, aren't you glad for all of that Nazarene University and uh, Monero? Thank you all for coming and being with us once again. What a, what a pleasure it is to have them with us. And uh, I am thrilled that they are here. 
glad that we are now back on the annual tour of all of that Nazarene University, and uh, we uh, are thankful for that as well. I want to invite you to turn with me in the book of Hebrews this morning as we get started. As you're turning there, I need to give you one important announcement about the business of the church, uh, because I uh, am supposed to and uh, required to, and I do this with a little trepidation, Pastor Greg, and he knows why, but uh, at the same time, it's good and it's positive. As some of you know, uh, we have now celebrated over two years of ministry with you as your lead pastor, and uh, it has been a privilege, it has been fun, it has been awesome, and I'm thankful for that. In the Church of the Nazarene, the manual states that after two years, uh, there is a, tr a full review of the pastoral leadership, and so the district superintendent will be here tomorrow evening to meet with the board, and so we're excited for that time. Uh, the board has been working on this already, uh, but it's our requirement to let you know that that's going on and that they will be talking about uh, the relationship between myself and this church as we move forward together. So we're excited for that as well. Again, thank you for the opportunity to be your pastor. Board members, tomorrow night, 6.30, right here at the church in the normal boardroom. Uh, it would be a great place to meet uh, for tomorrow. I do have one request of all the board members just briefly so that I can give you some information of what the DS shared with me this week. And so I need to meet with all the board members shortly after this service. We'll just meet right over here in the Challenger classroom, and it'll be five minutes, and we will be done, and we'll be ready for tomorrow. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Uh, again, I'm excited for uh, this opportunity to be able to meet with the DS and the church board on this exciting milestone uh, for myself and our family uh, as being your pastor. So thank you for that opportunity. We really appreciate that. Uh, let's jump right in. Uh, we're in the middle of the series. We're actually at the end of the series on prayer. And uh, we're at the end of the mini-series on prayer. And last week we talked about can we trust prayer. We talked about how uh, there's different factors that why we don't trust prayer. But that we can trust prayer because of what Jesus has done for us and who he is in, in our relationship. We're going to be in the same text this morning. We're going to point out some different things. But this morning, I want to I say some words to you, and I want your mind to just go where your mind would go when you think of these words. Confidence. Arrogance. Boldness. Confidence. These are all terms that, that uh, people use to describe certain people during certain circumstances or moments in life when we feel that we cannot defeated. If you know you're going to succeed, you're going to carry yourself with a demeanor that's more bold and confident. If you know you're going to lose, then you may change your body language. You may change your approach. You might become more timid, more, more bashful in what you're about to do. You see, I wonder at times if we feel the same way about prayer. I wonder at times if we get to our faith journey and our prayer life where where we really don't trust prayer, we don't really trust maybe our relationship with God, and so we approach prayer with a, kind of a shyness, kind of a timidity uh, towards God. And, and I want to I want to share with us today from God's Word how we need to change our approach to prayer, and we need to be able to approach prayer with confidence and boldness because we can trust who we're talking to. Amen. I want to tell you a story, uh, a couple stories here, real quick. A couple weeks ago, we were out watching uh, one of the football games here in town. It was not the varsity stocking, it was actually the junior varsity. And I was sitting there watching it with my youngest son, Elliot, and it was halftime when we got there, and, and Pittsfield was winning. And so there was some, there was some 
uh, anticipation in the air as we got to the stands and got to our seat. We could not hear what the coaches were telling the players right there in front of us, but you could see that there was a conversation going on about who was going to start the second half at running back for Pittsburgh. And they had the two or three players there. The coaches were talking. And again, I couldn't hear their words, but as soon as they decided who was going to start at running back in the second half, that kid's demeanor totally changed. And as soon as he knew he was selected, you could see his chest puff out. You could see the walk get a little bit more confident because he knew he was going to go in there and dominate that game. I said to Elliot, who's sitting next to me, I said, did you see what just happened? He said, no, what are you talking about? I said, look at, look at that guy. I'm not going to tell you what number because Garrett's here and he knows who I'm talking about. But I said, look at it. I said, he's walking differently. He's got a strut to him. He knows he's going to go out and dominate this game. He goes, how do you know that, Dad? I said, because he's just been picked to have all the confidence of his coaching staff and his team that he's going to carry them in the second half. Sure enough, second half starts. First play of the second half, they give him the ball. Boom, he breaks it for a good 20, 30 yards. What's he do? He jumps up, walks back to the huddle. Chest is a little puffed out. A little, little boldness. He's carrying himself with confidence. Next carry same thing. Next carry, same thing. Pretty soon they score another touchdown, and this kid is on cloud nine. Why? Because he knew he could go out and do what he's been trained to do. He was bold. He was confident. I would venture to say, even in this moment, I would not have called him cocky or arrogant. He just maintained that confident assurance that he knew what the result was going to be. I had the same thing happen to me in my personal life when I was selling insurance. I've told you this before. I was not a good insurance salesman. Uh, I was really bad at it, in fact. Uh, but, but my boss, my trainer, gave me some tips that he thought would help me. This man's name was Todd. Todd is the most confident man I've ever met in my life. Todd is all of about five foot two, 110 pounds soaking wet. But he is the most confident man you will ever meet in your life. If you if he walked into this building, he would he would walk with a walk that he was like seven feet tall. You know, he's just that confident. And so he's training me on how to sell insurance and sell these benefits. And he told me as he was training me, he said, before you even walked into this office, I could tell you what benefits I need to sell you based on these I thought, wow. And so he went through the whole spiel and he did that. I said, man, you're pretty confident. He goes, yeah. I kind of know what I'm doing, and I'm good at it, and I know I'm going to succeed. I said, where do you get this confidence from? And so then it began a whole different conversation that wasn't about work. It wasn't about uh, all that was going on in the office that day. It was about his personal life. You see, Todd is a member of a church that has some different approaches to ministry. See, Todd is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's a Mormon. See, Todd had been trained in his personal life to travel around and knock on doors and tell people about his personal religious beliefs. How many of you have ever shut the door on a morning? Any of you? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> I said, Todd, that makes total sense because we were trained from a young age to share about life and death and what we believe about it and be confident in our approach. I thought, boy, 
us Christians need that same approach. We need to be confident in what we know. We need to be confident. Why? Because it is a life and death situation. It is eternity at stake. And if we approach it with bashfulness, with timidity, then how are people ever going to know that Jesus loves them? He's for them. Just like we sang today. He is for them. He's not against them. He wants to bless them. He wants to give them life abundantly. But if we as Christians walk around a little bit timid, a little bit scared, a little bit worried about what people think, a little bit too politically correct, if you'll let me go that far, people are going to miss it. People are going to miss it. We must change our approach to life and to prayer. I believe if you're taking notes, write this down. It's right there in your notes. Being bold or being bashful is not a character trait. It is a choice we make in prayer. When we pray, our faith and our prayers can determine our approach to prayer. Will we be bold or bashful? Let's look at our text this morning from Hebrews chapter 4. Begin reading with verse number 14. You can follow along as I read. So then... Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen? The passage of scripture that we can, that this can speak to us at so many different levels. Last week we looked at the history of prayer. We saw how, how God used the high priest in the tabernacle. And then when that kind of got corrupt and didn't work, God had to come up with the next plan. And he sent Jesus to become the great high priest who was called to be in that position. And it changed our relationship because now we had a friend going to the Father on our behalf. Amen? We had somebody we can trust because of a relationship we had built with him. Because he had been called to that. He knew his mission when he was sent to earth. And he fulfilled it. And he went to the cross for you and for me. He became our friend. He became somebody that we could count on. Somebody that we can trust. And so today we look at that same passage of Scripture and we ask the same question. Can we trust prayer? Prayer is about our approach to God. And we must come boldly. You see, some Christians I know approach God meekly with head hung low, afraid to ask to, for God to meet their needs because they're afraid of what might happen. They're afraid of maybe some unanswered prayers or some answers that they've received in the past that, that really didn't make sense or wasn't what they intended or what they thought should have happened. And so sometimes we pray kind of timid prayers and we approach the throne room with uh, a, a weakness, if you will. We're afraid to, to get in there. And sometimes I think that leads us to even pray some flippant prayers. Some prayers that are just kind of well, I prayed, and I can check my box that I'm a, I'm a praying person. That's not what prayer is intended to be. You see, we're, we're, we were intended, because of what Jesus has done for us, to be able to pray bold prayers. Amen? 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you. If you are not in the middle of praying a bold prayer right now, I need you to start praying that God would give you something bold to pray for. And if you don't have something bold to pray for right now, you can start praying boldly for our revival. Amen? You can start praying boldly for our campus. You can start praying boldly for Aubrey as she's in Uganda. You can start praying boldly that we become the church that God wants us to be. Amen? If you don't have anything boldly to pray for, I just gave you a bunch. And when you start praying that with confidence, with boldness, and we start agreeing together in Jesus' name, the, the strongholds of hell doesn't stand a chance in Pittsfield. Amen? We must approach with boldness. You see, as Christians, we can come with reverence because God is our King, but we must also come with the bold assurance because He's our friend and our counselor. So how and why can we come boldly to God in prayer? Let's go through this real quickly. We can be bold, one, because, because of the past. You see, our text says to, to us some very important aspects that we need to understand so that we can approach prayer with boldness. The first thing is this. The high priest has gone to heaven. Look at the text. It's a past tense verbiage. The high priest has gone to heaven. In other words, it's already happened. How many of you have ever met Jesus in the flesh? He's already gone. He's come and he's gone. And where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. Amen? We can all agree on that. And therefore, the high priest has already gone to heaven. He's already done what he said he's going to do. The past is in the past. You see, we have a great high priest who has gone. He's entered heaven. Jesus has defeated sin. He has defeated death. He has defeated life and the temptations of sin. And he is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now waiting to help us in our time of need. It's already happened. You see, we can be bold because Jesus has already gone to heaven. He's already there waiting for you and for me to engage him. We can be bold because of the past, also because as you see there, if you're taking notes, drop this down. The high priest has faced the same temptations. Again, that verbiage, that past tense verbiage, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, our text says. For he faced all of the same things, yet he did not sin. Hmm. He overcame them. In other words, they're behind him. He went through that 40 days and he came out on the other end. Amen. He didn't stay in the wilderness. I think so many times as Christians, when we're in our own wilderness, we think we have to stay there. Jesus didn't stay there. He went through the wilderness, and the temptations are in the past. So many times I think, in my, and I know this in my own life too, that when we face temptations, we tend to just stay there and sit in it. The Bible says to flee from it. If we flee from something, what does that make it? It's in the past. It's behind us. It doesn't have a, a chance when it's in the past. You see, the high priest had faced the same temptations, and now they're gone. They're behind him. They're in the past. They're history. They're over. I want to show you a, a movie clip. Before we show you the clip, I want to kind of preface this movie clip. Because it refers to a movie that was, that was made in 1989. It's in the past. And in fact, the movie is called Back to the Future the second part 
I want you to see this clip, and I want us to talk about this clip for a minute. Let's show this clip. Wait a minute. Cubs win World Series. Against Miami? Yeah, something up. Who would have thought? Hundreds of one shot. I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season. Put some money on the Cubs. I just missed so we see, we see Marty McFly's look into the future from 1989. And, and there's things, I, I watched and studied some of this this week. This movie was made in 1989, and there's some people that have, have studied this movie for whatever reason. And there are some things that they predicted in the future, in, from 1989 to the future, that would happen. They got ten things right in this movie. Can you believe that? How did they even know that? So they got this right that the Cubs would win the World Series. And all you Cubs fans said, there's our name. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But they did win the World Series. They were a year off, but they won the World Series. They said they were going to play Miami. They didn't play Miami, but in 1989, there was not a baseball team in Miami. And now we have the Miami Marlins in Major League Baseball. So they got that right. There, there were some other things in this movie that happened that, that, and that, that they – they're talking about hoverboards. We don't have those yet. But they talked about there's one point in this movie where they're talking to their electronics, trying to get them to do something. And what they're saying, they're talking into this machine, and they're saying, you know, hydrate me to this level. And the machine starts calculating and all this. And they're like, there's no way in 1989 they thought we'd be sitting around talking to our electronics. How many of you know Siri? Has anybody ever tried to lead Siri to the Lord? I have. It's hard. You want some. You want some work to, to in your witness. Try to lead Siri to the Lord. Uh, that'll that'll challenge you a little bit. So, but we talked to our electronics. They got some things right. But why is this important to our text? You see, in this movie, they were going into the future and seeing what happens. But then Marty McFly goes back to the current. So if we know something is in the past, we know how it's going to turn out. How many of us have ever said in our lives, I wish I could go back to this point knowing what I know now? We would know how to fix it. We would know how to make it successful. We would, we would approach it with boldness. Now, if you knew the future from the past, then you'd have confidence that you'd be right. As this doctor says here, the Cubs win the World Series. If I would have known that, I would have put money on it 100 to 1, you know, and would have made a fortune. And we don't believe in gambling, but if we knew the past and we knew what was going to happen in the future because of the past, we would probably act a little bit differently. And yet, we think of this in a silly movie, but in our faith, what I'm trying to get us to see is that Jesus did everything that he said he was going to do. And now he's gone to heaven where he said he was going to go. In other words, it's happened. Everything has happened the way he said it would happen. Therefore... We should have boldness because he said it would happen and it did, that now we can live it out with boldness and confidence because we live for a God who knows what's going to happen. You see, we can be bold of the past because the past is in the past. It's gone. It's over. We don't have to live there anymore. But we can live with boldness because of our past. And I'm thankful for that. Number two, we can be bold because of our relationship. You see, the idea of prayer being part of a relationship is, is vital to our feeling of trust and belief in prayer. 
when we ask the question, can I trust prayer, we have to be able to trust something that we have a relationship with. I remember when I was playing basketball as a young as a young kid in, in school, and we would pray before all of our games, but there was not much fruit from some of those players that I played with as a, to a Christian life. But we were playing in this game, and we were actually playing in the semifinals to go to the city championship. And in this game, we're sitting... There's some of us that were sitting on the bench in the second half, and the game was close, and we're sitting there, and I'm sitting right in the middle of the bench with these other players, and all of a sudden I hear one of the guys on our team that had the foulest mouth, he lived the, the raunchiest life, and he starts praying, Oh God, please help us win this game. And I thought, why on earth is this guy praying to God? But then all of a sudden I thought, you know what? I do have a relationship with him. I do have a direct access to him. Maybe I should be more bold in my approach because of my relationship with him. You see, Mark didn't have a relationship with God, yet where did he turn? He turned to God. I think there's times in our life when maybe we're not living right or we're not as close to God as we hoped we would be. And we kind of approach God with, God, would you please help me in this? Would you please get me through this? And we don't really trust it. Why don't we trust it? Because maybe our relationship is not real solid. You see, but we don't have to live in that state very long. You see, our text says in verse 15 that the high priest is ours. It says the high priest is ours. This, this statement gives us ownership in the relationship. Now, let me clarify that word. There's times when we use English words that, that mean something, two different things, and we take it the wrong way. When I say ownership in the relationship, I don't mean that we own God and we can tell him what to do and he'll have to do what we say because we own him and because the high priest is ours. What I say is in ownership in the sense of a possessive relationship. And what I mean by that is it gives us reason to be able to have a personal walk with the Lord. You know, when, when something is personal to us, we cling to it. It's ours. We, we own it. We possess it. And it becomes important to us. When we begin to have a relationship with God that becomes personal, that it becomes intimate, we own that. We claim it. We, we possess this walk with Christ that changes who we are. Just like we sung about today. It changes us if we allow God to transform us that relationship becomes ours. We have boldness in that walk. The high priest of ours is ours. The high priest is not somebody else's. I want this to become very personal for you right now. I want you to imagine that there's nobody else in this room when it comes to your prayer life. And I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud because there are more people in the room, but I want you just to pretend that you're the only one right now that's hearing this. The high priest is not somebody else's. The high priest is yours. He's mine. He's ours. He's on our side. He's for us, not against us. This relationship was designed for you and mine. It was designed for me. It's designed so that we can have ownership of something that's very intimate, very personal. You see, I... I don't want to get too colorful with this, but the Bible tells us that when a man leaves his mother and father, 
face to his wife, the two become one. I'm so thankful that today when I woke up and came to the church this morning, that I could hug and kiss my wife and not have fear of violating her or putting her in an uncomfortable state. Why? Because we're in an intimate relationship. She is mine and I am hers. That's what the, the true meaning of marriage is all about. There's, there's, there's no concern. Why is that? Because in our intimacy, in knowing each other so well that we can understand that we have each other's best interest in mind. If, if I need something, she knows that. If she needs something, I tend to try to know that. We still have work to do. Amen? <laughs> but we know that because we have a relationship. You don't have a relationship with somebody that close and, and think that you own that. I would never treat another woman the way that I treat my wife. Because we're so close. We're bonded. That relationship is ours. You see, the same holds true in our walk with God. We can be bold because we have an intimate relationship with Him. You can approach Him with confidence. You can say anything you want to Him, and it's okay because you have an intimate relationship with Him. Well, I can't tell God when I'm mad at Him. Yes, you can. He wants to hear you. I'm here to tell you that even when you're mad at God, if you're talking to Him, that means the relationship is still in good standing. Amen? I always tell people that say to me, Pastor, I can't, I can't question my faith. I say, why not? Because our questions will draw us closer to Him. What does He want more than anything? He wants intimacy with His prized creation, you and me. And when we enter into that relationship, we can be bold when we approach Him. We can be confident when we approach Him. We don't need to walk into the throne room timid and afraid. We need to walk in with a strut. We need to walk in with confidence. Why? Because we know He's got our back. Amen? I don't think you're getting this. He loves you so much that if you walk into His throne room bashful, timid, and afraid, He's going to pick you up. And He's going to encourage you. And he's going to remind you who you are. Because guess what? Again, I love this. We sang this today. I am who He says I am. I am who He says I am. I am not who you say I am. I am who He says I am. I am who He says I am. I am not who I say I am. I struggle with that. I have insecurities that, that mount, and I'm not kidding you. When I got here this morning, the enemy was pounding me and pounding me and pounding me. Why? Because he knows what I'm going through right now. But we sing a song, and I can rejoice with hands lifted high and say, I am who he says I am. I am not who I think I am or timid and bashful and afraid. I can have confidence because I am a child of the one true God. And when I go to him, because of that relationship, when I came in here this morning and was on my knees saying, God, I need a fresh touch from you today. He says, you are my child. He picks me up and he says, you are who I say you are. Getting blessed here this morning. We can be bold because we have a relationship with him. We can be bold because of the past. And number three, we can be bold 
because we know the result. We know the result. Verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Those aren't if statements, folks. Those are promises from God. You will have something. You will be given something. Why? Because of that relationship. And if we can read this verse and really take it for what it's saying, we can come boldly because we know what the future holds. And it's not about the silly cubs. It's about our walk with Him. We will receive His mercy. We will receive His grace. I need new grace and mercy every day. I don't know about you. But I'm thankful for this because I can walk with confidence and boldness when I go into the throne room and I can say, God, I'm your child and I need your mercy and grace today. And He will provide it. We know the result. You see, the result is that God will give us just what we need when we need it. He won't give us the result beforehand. He won't be late in sending the result. You see, our God is an on-time, right-on-time God. And what He says, He will do. He will give us the perfect results to our prayers. He will give us the results that go according to His will, and He will be glorified for it. This hasn't changed over the history of the world. It's still true today. He will give us just what we need when we need it. I have a silly illustration I want to share with you of how we live this out in our own life. We're getting ready to come up to this time of the year where we set our clocks again. Amen? This is not the fun one. But every year when we change our clocks for daylight savings time, in our home, we don't wait till 2 in the morning when it's supposed to happen. We set it the afternoon before. <laughs> this was perfect when our kids were young. Because we kept our kids on a schedule, and we were very firm about that, and, and we walked that line. This is bedtime, and if we're going to mess up their bedtime at 2 in the morning, and we're going to lose sleep, we might as well do it on the front end and be prepared of it. Why? Because we know what's going to happen tomorrow. We know the result. The clock is going to change. We need to change because everybody else's world changes. So for us, it made – and why did they do this on Saturday night, Sunday morning? But we knew for our kids, we knew what was going to come. And if our kids got an hour less sleep because we waited to change our clock, that messes everybody up. So we knew the result. And we prepared for it before. We made arrangements before so that we could still live our life with boldness and confidence because we knew our kids were going to get the sleep that they needed. Why? Because we needed them to sleep. We knew the result so we could be bold in our approach of dealing with circumstances. <laughs> Prayer is the same thing. We can be bold in our approach to God because we know the results. He's our friend. He's not our foe. He's for us. He's not against us. <laughs> we can trust prayer by being bold and confident when we approach God. You see, 
So we ask the question, can we trust prayer? We can trust prayer because we can approach boldly because of the past. We can approach boldly because of our relationship. And we can approach boldly because we know the results. So I want to ask you this question in response to that. How have you been approaching God in prayer? How have you been approaching God in prayer? You know, we've, we've, we've scheduled some specific prayer times and some specific prayer items that we've given you and we've placed in your hands. But how have you been approaching God in those prayer times? Have you approached with boldness? Or are you being bashful? I'm here to tell you today, the challenge for us today is we must change our approach to prayer. We must change our approach to prayer. We must become bold. Amen? We can't be praying weak prayers anymore. Even if we're weak in the flesh, we need to approach with boldness and confidence because we have the God who has the answers on our side. We must be bold. We must change our perspective and we must cling to God and never stop trusting Him. You know what? Sometimes we preach for a response and it's an altar call. Sometimes we preach for a response like in this series and we encourage you to get into a life group and start sharing with one another and, and going through this together because when we do it in community and we do it together, it helps us to grow. Amen? So tonight, here's your response opportunity. If you've been praying your prayer card, one of the things on that prayer card says that I will pray for and attend the special prayer services that are set up for we did one on the fly last Sunday night. God changed how we were fed. And the Holy Spirit showed up last, last week. And, and we were so thankful for it. And, and, and God, I believe, was glorified. And, and we were enriched as we just gave God our time. So here's your opportunity tonight. We have another opportunity. We're calling this service tonight Canvas. It's a canvas service, and it's a service that is going to be designed for us to approach the throne room with confidence and boldness. Because we're going to approach this service as our, as our bodies, as our minds, as our souls, as, that are a blank canvas for God to do something. When you come tonight, it's going to be a time where, where we do sing together. We're going to sing some songs together. We're going to share in time of testimony and prayer corporately as we pray for our revival and pray for some of the special needs that are going on. But we're also going to spend some time just being open and free to whatever the Lord wants to paint on our canvas. So I want to invite you to respond. Pastor, I'm not feeling real bold. And something that's really hard for me. I get it. Just try it. Just try it. Because we're going to end our service tonight, Lord willing, gathering around one table as we worship one God and we come collectively as one church saying thank you. We're going to gather around the Lord's table tonight for communion. What a better way to be bold than when we can go with one another. Amen? We can help each other. I'm, I'm feeling weak, Pastor. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if this is really the thing for me. Tell somebody. 
Tell somebody. Come with them. Come together. Let's be bold together tonight. Amen? Let's be bold in our approach. Let's change our approach. Come tonight and be bold because we can trust God to show up. I want you to come tonight boldly with prayers that you need answers to. If you've been praying some of those bold prayers, I want you to come tonight so we can pray together for them. We can unite together. Come tonight to agree together boldly with others that our desire for God is to move on our lives. Amen? But I want to tell you this. I'm going to give you a way out. I probably shouldn't. If you don't want God to move on your life, don't come. If you don't want God to show up, don't come. Stay home. There'll be a game on. You can watch it. Okay? But if you come tonight, my God says He's faithful and just to forgive us. He's faithful to show up. Or two or three gathered in my name, there He will be also. I know there'll be at least six of us here because in my family. That's more than three. Would you come tonight? Would you be bold? Be bold enough to come to church on Sunday night. As we gather together as we unite together. Would you pray with me? God, we want to trust you today. And we want to trust our prayer life. As I've confessed, Lord, over this series. There are times in my life when I'm a prayer struggler. I struggle with what to say. I struggle with how to say it. I don't know if it's getting through. And Lord, I, I, I really believe that I'm not alone in that. But God, as you've helped me to answer this question, can, can I trust prayer? I know, God, I can. And as I fall on my face, I'm coming to a God who loves me who cares about me, who's my friend and not my foe, who's got my back and will defend me and, and refer me to his Father. But I'm, I can also trust prayer because that intimate relationship. Would you allow us to come boldly with confidence because we know what's going to happen. And God, I'm praying that tonight you would show up once again as you have today. And as we enter into your presence tonight, we come with a little strut in our step. We come with a little, with a little skip because we know we're going to encounter the living God. And God, we will enter your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, and we will worship you in spirit and in truth, not because we have to, but because we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.
God's house this morning. I'm so glad you came to worship here at PCN. I want you to have a great day, but before you go, I want you to know that God loves you, and so do I. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 6.30. We'll see you.